Well, I wonder what's on your mind as you anticipate this new year uh, that has just begun. I wonder what expectations you have. Uh, I wonder what fears loom, what, what challenges await, what longings you hold. I wonder what shapes your, your thinking at the turning point in this calendar. Well, whatever it is, uh, I'd like to suggest to us this morning that we are able to set it aside and replace it with Psalm 49. That we would allow Psalm 49 to shape our thinking at this turning point in the times for us. Now, why? I'm hoping you lot are in a good mood. So you go, okay, Ollie, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll go for Psalm 49. But, but why, why a Psalm and why Psalm 49 in particular? I mean, as Steve read it, it did actually sound quite morbid. <laughs> why, why this one? Why this one for us now? Why this one for us this morning? Well, I'd like to suggest to you Psalm 49 this morning because it was on the heart of the Lord Jesus, I think. I think Psalm 49 is in Jesus' mind at the turning point of the time for the disciples. I don't know whether you remember that famous moment in Mark chapter 8. Um, Jesus, uh, uh, Peter rather, famously works out, Jesus, you're the Christ. And it's like this wow moment. The disciples have finally understood who Jesus is. And then Jesus turns to them to teach them. It's like, now you understand who I am. Here's what it means to follow me. And Jesus famously says these words, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? What can a man give? In return for his soul. What can a man give in return for his soul? And those are words, those are thoughts, I think, that come straight out of this psalm. So here are the disciples at a key turning point. And here is us at the turning point of 2021. Going into something maybe new. At the turning of the times. Well, if it was important to Jesus... Strikes me it ought to be important for us. So let's be shaped by Psalm 49 as we look forward to following Christ in this new year. What do we learn from this psalm? Well, firstly, let's notice in this psalm, there's a call. There's a call. Look with me at verses uh, 1 to 4. There's a universal call, and it's an urgent call to us. Look look at verse 1. Hear this. It's urgent, isn't it? Hear this urgency, all people. Give ear, all inhabitants of the world, both low and high, rich and poor, together. It's urgent. Hear this. It's universal to everyone. This psalm is like a a megaphone to all 6.5 billion people on the planet. And it says, listen to this. Wouldn't... uh, Wouldn't Greta Thunberg or some of the politicians like a megaphone like that? Listen and don't switch off. If you're in the slums of India, listen. If you're in the housing estate in Ride, listen. If you're in the palaces of Provence, listen. If you're in the avenues of Seaview, pay attention. Listen, whoever you are, the psalmist please, 
is an urgent, universal call to you. Look at verse 3. What does he say? My mouth shall speak wisdom. The meditation of my heart shall be understanding. I will incline my ear to a proverb. I will solve my riddle to the music of the lyre. Here's this guy and here's this psalm and he calls to us and he says, look, listen, and you'll get wisdom. You'll get understanding. Wisdom is this thing where if you, if you have it, you know how to live properly in God's world, live rightly. That's, that's wonderful. And in it, he's going to solve a riddle. And, and if we're listening, well, it will change our lives because that's what wisdom does. So here's a call, urgent, universal, listen to this. Okay, so it's kind of, okay, books down, serious face on, thinking cap on. That's what we're, we're hearing in these, in these verses of this psalm. But as soon as we start thinking that way, just notice verse four for me. Is this urgent call? But this call is going to be performed and sung. Look what he says. I will solve my riddle to the music of the lyre. In fact, the whole psalm is going to be sung, isn't it? Do you notice the, 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 the title there, the, the little title statement? To the choir master, a psalm of the sons of Korah. This psalm is going to be sung. I was helped by reading um, Christopher Ashe's wonderful little commentary, where he says, if something's sung to the lyre, if something's sung to a harp, it's sung for joy. So guys, look, here's a call, an urgent call to us which should make us sing for joy. Our hearts moving with the sound of a harp, fluttering and rising with joy. Here's a call for you, friends. Now, I don't know what's on your mind at the beginning of this new year, but here's a call. Put it down. Listen to this. This is urgent. This is a priority. This is for you, and it's for your joy. So there's a call. But also, look, there's a question, verses 5 and 6. Look at the question. Here's the thing that the psalmist wants to solve, this sort of riddle that needs answering. Uh, Look at it there in in verses 5 and 6. The psalmist says, Why should I fear in times of trouble when the iniquity of those who cheat me surround me, those who trust in their wealth and boast of the abundance of their riches? A psalmist says, here's the big question I want to answer. Why should I fear? And why should I fear in times of trouble, the wealthy and the powerful? You think, okay, interesting question. Is it the one I would ask? I I don't know, but is it a difficult question? I mean, surely this, this psalmist sounds like he's surrounded by wealthy cheats. So, of course, he's afraid. I mean, it's not it's not really a big question, is it? Is it really a difficult question? The question, I think, goes deeper than that. The psalmist asks, why should I be afraid? And why, should I, why need I be afraid in this situation? I mean, is there any merit? Is there any reason to being afraid there and then? I mean, why be afraid of that? Why not be afraid of growing old? Why not be afraid of relationship stress? Why not be afraid of a mountain of, frankly, other things that we could be afraid of? He says, why are we afraid in times of trouble of the wealthy and the powerful? This psalmist says, here's a big question that needs answering. Because actually the truth is, so often those are the people and those are the things that we're afraid of. Uh, Maybe you're thinking right now, uh, 
Ollie, yeah, I've got some fears going into 2022, but I'm not sure it's those. Well, let me ask you, what are you afraid of as we go into this new year? Maybe you're afraid of travel laws being changed. Maybe you're desperate to do some international travel and go and see some friends and some family. Well, who seems to hold the power over that? (laughs) If it suits them, it'll be green-lighted. It's a fear, a fear of not being able to travel, but also fear of the rich and powerful, isn't it? And maybe you're worried about your bills and the energy price hikes, and will the government introduce a cap to protect me and help me out here? Will I need to go to food bank this year because things are going to be really tight? It's all I can think about it. Well, it's a fear in the end, isn't it, it seems, of what those wealthy leaders will do. And maybe you're worried about passing some exams at school or at work or something like that. Um, And sure, you're worried about whether you'll achieve it or not, but you're also worried, aren't you, about whether someone rich and powerful will give you a job at the end of it all. And maybe you're worried about a stressful situation at work. And there's some stuff going on there, but actually the worry there is, what will my superiors make of it? And what will they make of me? And will they bump me off? Maybe you're worried about a health situation this year. There's an operation that needs to happen, or someone you love is is urgently in need of treatment. And of course you're worried for them, aren't you? But also you're worried, will someone else in the higher up in the food chain actually make a priority of this? Or will they just overlook me like they overlook everyone else? Will they do something for goodness sake? See, actually, we are worried about those in power. And we worry about it, truth be told, because we put our trust in wealth, don't we? And we fear the prosperity of others. They can do it. They can make themselves safe and secure. And I need to make myself safe and secure. And so here's the question. Why do we fear? Why do we fear those people and fear that outcome? Why don't we fear something else? That is the question for us here. And already I think this song starts to lift us, this psalm, because in asking the question, it shakes the ground, doesn't it? Do you need to fear those people in the power with the wealth and the resources? Do you? There's a call. There's a question, and there's an observation in verses 7 to 12. The psalmist begins to say, you don't need to fear the wealthy, wicked, prosperous. Because, and look, here's the observation. Look at verse 7. Truly, no man can ransom another or give to God the price of his life. For the ransom of their life is costly and can never suffice that he should live on forever and never see the pit. Here's a psalmist, and he's thinking about these wealthy people. And then he says, and then he thinks to himself of death. (laughs) And he says, you cannot buy your way out of death, no matter how much riches you have. It's like death holds every person, no matter how rich you are. No matter how big your pot of cash, you can't give a pot of cash to God to say, there we are, let me off the hook with this death business. The price is too high. You can have whatever private health insurance you like, and all the superstar surgeons you want, but you won't live forever. You cannot beat death. You cannot pay death off, no matter what your reputation, and no matter what your portfolio looks like. Sure, the wealthy look like they'll live forever, and they give that impression, but they won't. 
they're not as powerful as they seem. I love the way the the, um, Bible commentator Derek Kidner speaks of these verses. He says it's ironic here that the the wealthy who, who hold so many to ransom, isn't it ironic that they won't redeem the poor and they can't redeem their own lives? And he says it's like the point of wealth, that we feel like the point of wealth is that it should help you, that it should help you at the point where everything else fails. Well, at least my resources will rescue me. And Derek Kidner says, here is the point at which failure undoes everything. Death is the point where failure undoes everything. And even there, wealth cannot help you. So don't fear the rich. Because how absurd it is for them, living for what will always fail. And wealth will always fail at the point of death. That The wealthy will end up in the pit. That's the image here, isn't it? They'll end up in the pit like everyone else where there's no distinction between rich and poor. Grandiose in life, perhaps, but dead in the pit. Why fear? Why fear them? Uh, they, they will die and they can't pay for a substitute to take their place. They must face, face death and their self-confidence is shown up for what it is. Look at verse 10 to 12. For surely... He, the wealthy, sees that even the wise die. The fool and the stupid alike must perish and leave their wealth to others. Their graves are their homes forever. Their dwelling places to all generations. Though they called lands by their own names. Ah, man in his pomp will not remain. He is like the beasts that perish. The psalmist says, "Don't, don't you remember that everyone knows that everyone dies no matter who they are? I used to listen to a preacher who would say in almost every sermon, the stats are undeniable. One out of one people die. And when it comes to this question, what did they leave? You ever met someone at a funeral and they're asking, I wonder what they left? And the answer is for everyone on the planet, what did you leave? How much did they leave? The answer is, oh, everything. Everything. Their castles, their palaces, not their home anymore. The grave is their home forever, and and, and death overtakes everyone in the end. So here's the observation. No one can pay the ransom. No one can release death's hold over them. No one at all. And so I think this psalm challenges us. As this new year turns over, and we think about the things that we're afraid of, as we worry about the powerful who control social housing and You can move a person on at a moment's notice as we think about the the politicians and the policymakers who can move interest rates up and crush people in their debts. As we think about the people who seem to hold all the cards and seem to prosper even when others are at a disadvantage. Well, the psalmist tells us for a moment, reckon with this, think on what is ultimate. Set your fears in order. The biggest concern of all is that of death, the great divider, the great separator. Reckon with death and see that no one can pay their own ransom. We all put our hope in wealth and riches. We think if only we had the right resources behind us, if only I had enough pennies in the pot, life would be better. We could have more hope. And the psalmist says those are just physical things. And we think all our problems can be met with solutions here and now. Just a little bit more, just a bit more in my bank account to fix things for good this time. 
My friends, the psalmist says, what matters most is the ransom on our lives. Death faces all of us. Reckon with death. How many of our hopes and desires and fears as we look forward this year hang in the balance of those who are supposedly powerful, who supposedly control the purse springs? How much of our energies and aspirations are focused on that stuff. And it leaves us crushed and anxious, doesn't it? And the psalmist here asks us for a new perspective. Will fear of those people change anything? They can't even change things themselves. So here is a fresh perspective. Perhaps some of us need that this morning. That fresh perspective. There's a call. There's a question. There's an observation. And having made this observation, there's a ransom before us that no one can pay. The psalmist gets to a conclusion. He sees the implications of all of this. And maybe you felt it's pretty melancholy still so far. But as he concludes, it's going to move us to this new confidence. Our hearts fluttering are going to rise with joy. Let's look at the psalmist's conclusion in verses 13 and onwards. It's here. In verse 13, look with me. This is the path, says the psalmist, of those who have foolish confidence. Yet after them, people approve of their boasts. Like sheep, they're appointed for Sheol. Death will be their shepherd, and the upright shall rule over them in the morning. Their form shall be consumed in Sheol, with no place to dwell. The psalmist says, look at this. See, in the end, the problem isn't the riches. The problem is the trusting in the riches. That's the problem. Foolish confidence to hoard it, to use it to protect yourself while hurting others. It's so foolish. And people sing songs and approve of it when it happens. But the reality is that the wealthy in the imagery here are helpless sheep in need of a good shepherd. But sadly in this psalm, who is their shepherd but death? I think this is probably the place in the Bible where that image, you know that image of the grim reaper? I suspect that idea comes from here. (laughs) But it's just an idea, isn't it? It's a literary thing, isn't it? It's a wordplay, it's an image. This is a psalm, this is poetry. The point is these people are in the dark. They need a good shepherd. But, But when morning comes, they'll have a rude awakening. They'll find that they weren't being led into good things by their trust in wealth, no. In the end, the cruel rich will be helpless before death. And the people who were helpless and yet trusted in God, they'll now have the rule. And and the wealthy, dispossessed of everything, they're consumed, they're unmade in the darkness. That'll be their path. That's the conclusion. They had wealth, but they couldn't pay the ransom, could they? And that is their ending. But look at verse 15. Because we think to ourselves as we get here, who can pay this ransom? He's already said in this psalm, no one can pay their ransom. No one can pay their way out of death. Look at verse 15. The psalmist says, but God will ransom my soul from the power of Sheol, the grave, the place of death. God will ransom my soul from the power of Sheol, for he will receive me. Wow. No one can buy my life. No one can buy me out of my death. But God will. God will ransom me for himself. 
the psalmist is confident he's going to take me. Like in the Old Testament, he took Enoch to be for himself. He's going to take me. Somehow, God is going to pay the infinite, priceless ransom for those who sing this song. Oh, I've been filled with crippling fear of what will happen to me in life. But now I hear my biggest fear. My ransom is paid. So pity those who have only their riches, right? But don't have the thing they need most. God as their redeemer. The tragedy, friends, is is that wealth so often gives a false sense of security in life, doesn't it? Something so transitory and yet it can't deliver. The conclusion here is we shouldn't fear our funds or or lack of them. We shouldn't be afraid of those who, who have when we don't. We should reckon with our need of a ransom and know that we have a redeemer. God will pay our ransom somehow. And I'm filled with wonder as I read this psalm. You think to yourself as you read this, how? How on earth can this psalmist say, God is going to pay my ransom? He's just said it's impossible. Well, years later, there was a boy in a temple reading the scriptures. A boy who would grow up reading and singing these songs. And that boy who grew into a man read this song and he knew exactly what it meant. He knew exactly how the ransom would be paid. He's the man who said to his disciples, the son of man came not to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. The ransom would be paid by the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, this psalm says that no mere man can pay their ransom. No mere man. But Jesus was no mere man, but the very son of God. And as he went to the cross, he made an exchange. He gave his life in the place of sinners. That was a ransom that was enough, that is enough. Where all wealth fails, the wealth of Jesus succeeds. His perfect life, his glorious, righteous life, that if you saw it, you would fall down before it. He gave that which is so priceless in substitute place for our death. The wealthy cannot buy their way out of death, but Jesus can buy our way out. And he has verse 15. But God will ransom my life. So you need not fear. You need not fear in a world of wealth and resources. What you cannot afford, Christ is sufficient to pay to take you to himself. Wow. There's a conclusion. And so there's a resolution. He asked the question, didn't he? Why why fear? Why fear my lack of resources and other people who've got stuff? Well, there's a solution in the end. Look at these final verses, verse 16 to 20. This is our last point. Here's a psalm about fear. And there's a solution in the end, a resolution. Be not afraid, says verse 16. Be not afraid when a man becomes rich, when the glory of his house increases. When he dies, he will carry nothing away. His glory will not go down after him. For though while he lives, he counts himself blessed, and though you get praise when you do well for yourself, his soul will go to the generations of his father. He'll never again see light. 
So you don't need to be afraid of the prosperity of the wicked. You don't need to be in awe when it looks like they're doing, everyone's doing better and they're getting heaven on earth and, and what's going on for me? When you feel like you say, oh, how I would love to be them. The psalm says, remember verse 20, man in his pomp, yet without understanding, is like the beasts that perish. See, this psalm gets to us at the end and it says, I want you to have understanding. You see, if you don't know yourself, if you don't know mortality, if you don't know God, well, your death will be like that of a beast in a field. How sad. But if you have understanding, if you know God and who he is and what he has done for you, well, you can sing a different song. You can sing a song of joy free from the fear of those worthless riches. Because you have other riches altogether in Christ. If you have God as your redeemer, you have something you cannot afford that gives you something totally priceless. Eternal glory with God. Here is a plea, friends, at the turning of the times to not be afraid, to get ready for the new year, knowing God as your redeemer, your ransom payer, and letting that shape everything. As the time turns for the disciples, he asked them, what can a man give for his soul? Nothing is the answer, but Jesus has given everything for you. So do not be afraid. As we get ready for this year, would you take this psalm away and meditate on it? What is it that you are afraid of? What really is causing your stomach to flutter? What's making you churn inside? What gives you those slightly sleepless nights and those worries? What makes you lose a few more hairs? And what is that worry? And how much are you worried about the resources that others have and how you long for more resources yourself? Would you let this psalm shape you? That the one resource you need is a ransom. And Jesus has paid it. Shall we pray? Loving Father, thank you for this hard-hitting psalm. Thank you for its call and its question and the observations that it makes, these vital truths that it reminds us of. Father, help us to not be naive when it comes to thinking of our own death and our need of restoration in our relationship with you. Help us to not prize resources and assets and power Help us to not fear those who do have those things. But help us to know that we have all the riches of the universe in Christ. And he's given them for our salvation. Father, we ask that this psalm would spur helpful conversations for us on our priorities as we go from here. Help us to do as this psalm says, to not fear. For we ask it for Jesus' sake. Amen.